Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Now sit back because it's time for the podcast. Welcome to uh, another lockdown episode of Hip Hop Saved My Life. Uh, we are delighted to be joined by, uh, well, Rue Madge is here. Hi, I'm, delighted, I'm delighted that you're here. I didn't mean it like that. I'm obviously delighted that you're here. Uh, we are delighted. Still in lockdown. But it's still a lockdown, yeah. You're still around your friend's house? Yeah, still a, sort of got used to it though now. Mm. Mm. Are, you, are you disinfecting every time you leave? I just wash my hands, but not disin. What's what's disinfecting? Well, it's just that you're. I assume you're touching loads of surfaces around that that property. <laughs> no, not no, not intentionally. No, I know you're not. I'm not suggesting that you're rubbing yourself <laughs> deliberately on the stuff, but you are going to touch stuff as you make your way through that flat, right? That is true. Yeah. And so, but, uh, are you conscious? Are you conscious of the fact that you need to sort of undo that, like demagendi that? Those surfaces. When I get back to my house. No, for the benefits of your friends, whose flat that is. Uh, oh, maybe, yeah. But they're not going to be back for quite a while. Okay, so. fine. Yeah, so might, oh, as well, yeah. might as well let it all sink in before you have to do yeah. a proper deep clean, which you won't bother yeah, doing yeah. at the last minute because you just say you've run out of time. <laughs> now, uh, we are joined by someone who I reckon we've been talking about getting on the podcast for, I don't think an exaggeration to say, about three years. So uh, Since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So... Uh, Finally, he's actually deigned to appear on the fucking thing. Please give it up for Reese James. Hello, mate. <laughs> Hello, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure now. This is three years in the making, mm, so I've yeah. had three years to think about this. Yeah. What, what do I like about him? Yeah. You've had the question for three years. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so these things take time. Sometimes it takes a global pandemic for us to finally match up our schedules mm. of, oh, we're all doing nothing. Although, actually, you're the busiest... I've ever seen anyone be and despite the fact that you're stuck in your house I mean every day it's a new you've got a new thing coming out whether it's a TV show hosting an existing TV show an Instagram live I mean Facebook yeah how how are you so busy yeah do you hate your kids this I know you've publicly said you hate your kids but I thought it was an act (laughs) you finally got an opportunity to spend a bit of time and I've never seen someone so present on social media and TV (laughs) Well, um, well, the, the, to be honest with you, I had been doing loads of Facebook Lives. In fact, I went through a phase of doing them every day. And then I realised that that was absolute insanity because, one, because of the time commitment. And two, because the quality of what I was doing was so poor. Uh, that what have you I just possibly got to ma- update anyone on after a, after a I know, day? mate, 100%, 100% man. And I'd go on there... And t- basically, all I would do is, honestly, this is what it descended to, eventually, is I'd go on there and just have a go at some anybody making negative comments about it being boring. That, that is essentially <laughs> what the whole Facebook Live would be. 
<laughs> yeah, it'd be me saying, okay, so this is me on here today. Well, fuck you, Paul Smith. I'm doing something for free. So if you don't like it, you can log off. Huh? What do you expect? Well, that was the way you were sort of switching off, I guess, and de strapping. <laughs> You know, um, I have actually, speaking of the kids, because the kids have been um, playing Fortnite non-stop and they've properly got into it now. And uh, I feel sorry for any genuine adults that got into Fortnite in the beginning because as far as I can tell, it's a fucking primary school now because it all seems to be kids, that, like all my kids and their mates have just taken this thing over and they're just constantly... I heard my five-year-old say, I just got a headshot with an AR the other day so I've got a five year old kid talking about assault rifle but anyway I um, um, I've, st- I've started I've started playing Fortnite I've like downloaded it and I've joined in with them my if you want to add me my uh, nickname on it is Daddy Badman and I join in with them on little like campaign stuff that's my way of kind of compensating for the fact that I'm doing all this and live when you, I mean, uh, did, what did... when you kill someone on Fortnite are you imagining that it's uh, a Facebook live commenter <laughs> You're going, Paul Smith, you fucking shit. Who's boring now? Daddy Badman sounds like a sort of name they'd give a pedoph- an online paedophile. Yeah. Yeah, I realised I realized that actually that name t- is so heavily dependent on the emphasis of the syllables in that, in yeah. terms of how it sounds. Because you could have Daddy Badman, which sounds pretty cool, but you could have Daddy yeah. Badman. <laughs> that, that that immediately that immediately changes it, yeah. Um, but have you have you wh- what about you, Reese? How are you find it? Because I I don't think people are sort of quite talking like this now. But at the beginning, everybody was getting into philosophical discussions about what does this mean for comedians and mm. shit like that. Did you go through a, a similar kind of crisis? Not really, um, because I hate gigging. I, I hate being a comedian. So uh, actually, dream come true. I actually realised genuinely about about a year ago, I realised when I was writing a new show that the days I was happiest, well, the, not the days I was happiest, the only days I was happy were the days when all I had to do that day was write and I didn't have to do a gig. And that's a scary thought as a comedian because <laughs> you realise, oh, I should obviously just be a writer. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is fucking stupid. But then I was on tour, so I was writing a tour show, which I do like doing. But then as soon as it was like, by the way, everything's cancelled, I was a bit like, oh, thank fuck for that. Great. I think I thought, mm. you know, this isn't that serious and, you know, it's cancelled, but only for a bit. And it's like a little break. But no, yeah. obviously now it's got to a point when it's like, oh, right, everyone I come into contact with is finding me an absolute fucking nightmare as I you know dance for them and do anything to get their attention so what i'm finding is what i've become <laughs> in lockdown addicted to gambling uh all i all i do is play poker yeah. now um not not against the public but against friends other comedians sometimes there's a comedian the other day we played and uh i didn't know that you could get so drunk in your own house that you'd have a two-day hangover but that is what happened this is day three i've just recovered so I've had a two-day hangover right. the last two days because I got so pissed. And the problem is that when you're in your house and you're drinking, there's no financial aspect that stops you or makes you realise quite how much you're drinking. There's no process of getting up mm, to go to yeah. the bar. I just had a bottle of whiskey next to me. So, <laughs> yeah, it's going well, actually. So basically, yeah. you just fill that up. It's no different. It's just a tap, isn't it? So you just go, you don't notice how, yeah. how much you've drunk. So I was so drunk from that that I was sick. Uh that evening and then fucking hell yeah yeah slept on the sofa um this is in my own fucking house it's, it's mental the next morning woke up was sick again had an alka-seltzer to settle the stomach threw that up pretty immediately um and then luckily here's how pathetic i am as a man who's almost 30 uh 
I had to recover. There's no real deliveroos that would help me. Um, luckily, two days earlier, I had gone out to buy a box of chicken dippers because I saw some chicken dippers in Rick Edwards' Instagram story. And I'm just so easily led. <laughs> I was like, yeah, great. I'm going to go get some chicken dippers. And then I had them in the house. And I nearly messaged Rick Edwards to say, cheers, mate. You really helped me, <laughs> really helped me through <laughs> over there. Yeah, I find that that, uh, that drinking alone, getting drunk alone, because I did, yeah, I've, I've done it a couple of times, but I found the one, or the last time I did it, I was getting worried about drinking too much. And all I had to do to take myself out of it is to imagine what the scene would look like from somebody just watching me. And it was just like, you know, it's like <laughs> somebody with headphones on, just sort of talking to a screen, just like pouring yeah, right, more right. and more stuff and then knocking it back. It just felt so fucking bleak it immediately sort of took me out of the immersion it's of great it, that you know you're I mean? you're on tv so much that at all times you have to consider if someone is currently watching you <laughs> <laughs> yeah although i would say that hasn't stopped me making some poor decisions in the past really but um but you know what you're gonna do here's a little bit that you like to pull how did you get into hip-hop so reese mm. uh you're a hip-hop fan oh yeah we should talk hip-hop uh what was your um what was your uh early kind of how did you get into it i guess is the question that i've asked every time and yeah, have yeah. somehow managed to yeah. somehow managed yeah, yeah somehow managed to waffle it <laughs> what episode on is this, this one what number of this 200 <laughs> it's three if i've been waiting three years you had three years to prepare that opening again. uh sure okay uh reese uh hip-hop into it how did you get Oh, there we go. That's Yoda. Nice. DJ Yoda. Uh, I like uh, my, it's a tale as old as time, really. So, like any sort of middle class white man from the home counties, Eminem. So basically, my my, my brother, um, when he was twelve, he's three years older than me, my brother. When he was twelve, he was bought the Marshall Mathers LP by uh, my parents' mm. best friends for his birthday, which is quite a strange gift for some adults to buy a 12-year-old, given it's a very violent that is album. so weird. Such a violent album, the Marshall yeah. Mathers LP. You might see me talking, you might see me walking, you might see me walking in dead rot while the dog with his head chopped off in the park with a spike collar, hollering at him because the son of a bitch won't quit barking. Or leaning out a window with a cock shotgun, driving up the block in the car that they shot Pac in, looking for pigs, killers, dressing ridiculous, blue and red, like I don't see what the big deal is. Double barrel, 12 games, bigger than Chris He would just listen to that all the time, and then like, so when we would just play FIFA or something, and then just like that album would just be on. And basically that's it, I just got into it because of that. And then he he was really into it more than me. So he had like the Black Album and he was listening to Nas and he was really into 50 Cent as well. I never really got into that. But it just those things would just be on all the time. And then I just remember just kind of vicariously getting into it. Just like learning lyrics, all the lyrics of the Marshall Mathers LP, which, uh, you know, as an eight-year-old wasn't massively appropriate. You know, just walking around my house singing. Fucking hell, you were New eight. kids on the block, so suck young. a lot of yeah. dick. Boy groups make me sick as an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah, not knowing what that means. New kids on the block, suck a lot of dick. Boy girl groups make me sick. And I can't wait till I catch all you faggots in public. I'm a love it. <laughs> you know, my parents didn't really seem to give a shit about that. So we, yeah, it was just that. It was the Marshall Mathers LP was the first thing. The first thing I bought myself, I think, was... um speaker box slash the love below the mm. the, the 39 mm. track um outcast <laughs> double album it's a great album i don't it's know i don't album. know if i agree with that i 
there's good bits but it's basically just a 39 track album that's based on the success of Hey Ya and maybe Roses yes and then it's like well you don't need 37 other songs no and it's certainly like the, the, I get the concept of it like breaking it up so what you know Andre 3000 had his own album Big Boy had his own album but it was so confusing as a child to try and understand like I hadn't even really heard albums yet so a concept album wasn't necessary at this stage I'm still just getting into the idea of there being more than one song. So it was a bit pointless, but I don't know. It's, it's considered a great album, isn't it, that? Well, I don't, well look, I, I, I don't, it's sort of a weird one, isn't it? Because it's sort of, it is a concept album in terms of if the concept is the band don't really want to be together anymore, but they still have to put out an album. <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, it's, yeah. So, <laughs> it's so weird. You've essentially got a big boy album and an Andre album, and they've just stuck them together to, I don't know, the, to just maximize the revenues or something i don't know because like it's weird because you're right andre because because you know obviously i'm much older than you but like when when that album came out it actually frustrated me that hey and roses were the ones that like really blew up off that album because i do love yeah. I, obviously andre's amazing but big boy is incredible and and his his album speaker box was kind of the one that I immediately gravitated to out of the two albums. You know, it's got, uh, I think it's got B.O.B. on it, hasn't it? Yeah. Like it's got proper hip hop tunes on it, and um, and so I really I really loved it, and so then Andre's stuff like I mean that's when, to be honest with you, when my wife started like when Lisa says that she likes Hey Ya, that's when I know that my love affair with the group is coming to an end because. Uh... <laughs> well, that's it. Like I, I was a kid. So it's like, I, I think I would have, yeah. hey, I was like my way to dip a toe as a kid. Like the, the, the more heavy hip hop stuff, I would have probably been a bit frightened by. But even though I was singing mm. along to Eminem by then, but it would it was like, hey, yeah. R and Roses were like probably the biggest songs at school. They're probably the only things anyone yeah. cared about at school. And actually, I remember in, in Roses, it was definitely a talking point. It's like they designed it for schools because there was so, the big talking point of what he says Roses really smell like. Right. I know. It was a big debate. And I, so on brand, I remember I used to, I had this really flirty argument at school with this girl that I really fancied called Alicia. And it was this really flirty argument mm. about, oh, he's saying roses smell like poo. And then I was like, no, trust me, he's saying they smell like boo. Okay. And then she was like, no, it's poo. Obviously, it's poo because boo isn't a smell. And I was like, yeah, but I've got the album. And in the little lyric booklet that comes at the front of the album, it says boo. And it was just like a little bit of fun. And it was quite nice. And we were getting on really well for like the last month or so, me and this girl I really fancied. And then I obviously, like everything, took that too far and came into school the next day with the lyric booklet and said, no, actually, that it says boo. And then she was just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. It's just a chat. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then that was the end of my yeah. uh, my brief mental fling. With so there was there, there was no there was no point at which he thought, well, this is something we're having an ongoing discussion about. Maybe I shouldn't bring the thing that will automatically bring that discussion to yeah, a complete keep, and utter end. Yeah, keep the plate spinning. No, I just went. No, 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 no. These plates. It's dangerous to spin these plates. Let's put them yeah. down and prove yeah. I'm right. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I was right. But... Actually, Alicia, you're wrong, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That, I mean, that is my personality. So it's good to know. Like I had, when thinking about these albums, I had that memory and then it was like, oh fuck, I've always been like that. I haven't, do, it's, sometimes you're like, have I just developed this because I'm a comedian and have I now let the comedian me become me and has that ruined my life? Mm. And it's just sort of like a constant internal question. And then you go, no, 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 you were doing that at 12 before you even thought about comedy. It's a weird one because like people go, that whole thing about comedian versus what you're really like and how you are on stage and shit like that. And I remember when I started doing stand-up, people would go, um, are you that grumpy in real life? And then the truth is I've kind of become less, I've become more like myself off stage, on stage than I used to be, right? Mm-hmm. When I started, I was like, but now I think to myself, oh, I, I think I always was a, a grumpy prick, but I was just put the filters on because you can't be like that in society you can't have friends if you say if you tell people how you really think about what they've just said and blah 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 do you know what I mean you have to kind of you have to hide that because otherwise you won't nobody will want to hang out with yeah, you yeah we all I mean? not we all want to be Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm we all want to be saying no, I, don't, I don't want to be here anymore I'm going to go and we all want to be saying I, I, what you've just done is mad but the only person who can actually be like that in real life is Larry David because everyone goes oh Larry yes. you're just doing the thing from the show yeah. what he's done is very cleverly yeah. make a TV show that means he can now be the person that he want, we all want to be I know. and none, I know. now that he's done it none of us can do it not that we would have created Curb Your Enthusiasm but give you know. it a while. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 <laughs> I guess because your style of stand-up is, um, you know, you're telling jokes. I mean, I know all comedians are telling jokes, but you are. It's there's a slight detachment between your beliefs and the way that you present your jokes. I guess I know you're talking about it autobiographically, but have you ever got yourself into shit for the people that have people ever got offended? People in your life or about what you've talked about on stage? Um, I don't know if it's about on stage, but definitely on Twitter. Yeah, and I've had to go like the amount of times. I have to say to someone, so sorry, you like you see people who cu- come up all the time in your notifications as people who often retweet or like your jokes. And then they'll find one mm. that you do and they'll react to it like it's a statement rather than a joke. You go, sorry, you spent two years retweeting these because you know they're jokes. And then you pick in that one, are you, to go, oh, he, he means that. It's like the amount of times yeah, I have to go, it's not real. So... None of this is real. I don't have any opinions. None of these are thoughts. They're just little gags that I thought would be funny. But the problem is that, yeah, on stage, you don't. I don't really get in trouble because you can do a persona. So it's obvious you're doing it from a point of a place of irony or detachment. But on Twitter, people just... Also, then you get all the people that don't follow you suddenly going, what? Who's this? Who thinks that? And you just go, ugh. And they're not even... I'm not saying these are not offensive jokes. They're just stupid. I keep claiming at the yeah. moment on Twitter to be a billionaire because um, everyone's really angry about billionaires. <laughs> so, so I keep saying, <laughs> sorry guys, I'm just going to take some time off. I've seen that there's a bit of backlash to billionaires, so I'm just going to take a back seat on Twitter for a little bit. I don't want to get any heat. And then every now and then you just get someone who doesn't follow you going, what? <laughs> Give some money to the NHS. <laughs> and also because if you Google, um, like if you Google anyone net worth, so if you Google Reese James net worth, it does say that I'm worth like $150 million. <laughs> right. so so like if if you just saw that tweet without context and then you re- you googled that you would think oh he is just bragging about being rich but yeah what an <laughs> arsehole both of those things aren't true i mean i am rich i'm incredibly no, of course, well as well you deserve to be yeah. but um but you, I, I, you must get this more than i do but this thing where you tweet 
you tweet a joke or an idea and then people reply trying to top it or they've missed the joke or whatever and they try and be funny off the back of it. Whenever people do that, um, that uh, it, they almost, I mean, a lot of the time, they put like a laughing face emoji afterwards and or, you know, crying with laughter emoji. Whatever. And I always think, oh, you're a cunt. I always think that people that do that, I hate it. And then I think to myself, well, at least you know they're joking because the number of times that I've done tweets where I have clearly been, well, to my mind, I've clearly been joking. And then people have just taken that and you think to yourself, oh, actually, maybe I should have put a lot of laughing face emoji. Can you imagine if you just got reduced <laughs> to the stage where you had to put that after every one of your little just put your every little tweet, funny tweets? Every tweet says just joking at the end of it. Every comedian <laughs> tweet, just joking. <laughs> Maybe we should become becomes that. a law. <laughs> maybe we should do that. Maybe, or maybe instead of a blue tick, if you're a comedian and you commit to every yeah. tweet I'm going to do is a joke, you have a little laughing emoji next to your name so that it, it just verifies this account is joking. That's what they need to do. I'm going to get in touch with Jack Dorsey and try and set that up. <laughs> oh, God, it's so awful, isn't it? For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, so uh, so Outcast, and then what did you uh, what did you move into after that? Well, it was at the, the era when I like when I was a teenager, the sort of the popular music, the thing all the popular kids at school were listening to was kind of more R&B. Like that was like the big, like Nelly and stuff like that were like the big things. Mm. And then like Usher, I remember Confessions being like one of the first albums I knew all the words to. Well, it's not really hip hop, is it? But like, yeah. I don't know, just people were massively into those sorts of things. And like Mario and yeah. even like Wayne Wonder were like the big uh, artists of the time. Yeah, I went to see Usher when he was... When he was touring that uh, Confessions album, well, I think it might have been eighty-seven oh one. I can't remember one of those albums. And going to a gig like that, as a bloke, I think is uh, is unacceptable. I, I just were you outnumbered women to men there? Was it? Well, I mean, being outnumbered by women isn't uh, an issue as such. Oh. It's, it's just sort of it's just sort of the fact that he would come out and you know he'd grab the mic and he'd just go. So good to be in London, and then yeah. a thousand women around you would just fucking ejaculate. 
Uh, it was just, it was just insane. He wear a vest at the start and then topless and wet by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And and he did this thing where partway through the gig he came out on a bed like Theophilus P. Wilderbeast. Uh, <laughs> it's like, like uh, it was just sort of... those R and B artists. <laughs> like it was such a, it, 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 it was so weird that as 14, 15 year olds we were also into it, given that it's such a sexual genre of music. I mean, I do understand that the time period in your life is like you're discovering stuff you know or you're like cock blocking yourself with the lyric booklets but like the fact that we're listening to even like i don't want to bring it up but r kelly was like probably the biggest artist of that era and it's like the most sexual music imaginable and <laughs> turns out in all sorts of ways but it was like that was what mm. it was into at the time and then i was also really into garage Like i know <laughs> you don't look at me unless everything oh here's a big garage kid but i was so into like like shanks and bigfoot that was the first single i ever bought Sweet like chocolate boy. Fuck me. I don't even think I've heard those words. Shanks and, Shanks yeah. and Bigfoot. Massively in Shanks and Bigfoot. <laughs> DJ Luck and MC Neat, Artful Dodger, Craig Dave, like big fans of all that. And then I remember getting really into um, Roll Deep. Do you remember them? Roll Deep. That like grime. Yeah, of course, like, man. Pop, of pop course, grime yeah. collective. Yeah. yeah. They, I heard of them because yeah. of um because of Showboat on Soccer AM. I discovered Roll Deep. Mm. And then I bought that that first album and I remember just being obsessed with that album and then got into like slightly better stuff like Kano's album Home Sweet Home was a big thing when I was that age and then like the streets obviously the streets and it was like so so I did that and then it was um I remember being very excited by so I was always into like all the all the popular kids basically were into R&B and then like kind of rap and hip-hop a little bit and then like there's like another subsection of friends I had that were, I was sort of always into sort of like rock and indie type stuff as well and I was really into new metal so basically when yeah. Jay-Z and Linkin Park joined up for that album it was like the the, the mm. yeah the meeting of my two sides of my personality that I'd been hiding from other groups you know pressure than whole riddle me that the rest of y'all know where I'm lurking yeah can none of y'all mirror me back yeah hear me rap it's like hand G rapping his prime I'm young H.O. raps great for dead back to take over the globe now break bread I'm in Boeing Jets Global Express out the country but the blueberry still connect on the low with the yacht and I sort of used it as a way yeah. to be give an inspirational speech I sort of was like look if these two world famous things on opposite sides can come together why can't we there's no boundaries here just because you like Nelly and you like Limp Biscuit doesn't mean that we can't come together and all be friends and then it sort of came clear to me no 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 it's because some people play football and some people don't that's why these friendship groups not got nothing to do with music <laughs> some people are fit and some people aren't that's literally it <laughs> but I definitely remember I think I did actually pitch to like one of my mates like look let's just all <laughs> let's just all be mates and everyone's like fuck off mate you're barely in this group I wouldn't push your luck <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that album so much. I thought that album was just the most mind-blowing thing. I've not listened back to I it. I don't think I really... Because I wasn't a Linkin Park fan particularly, but, like, I don't think I even... Listened, did you listen to it, Rupert, that album when it came out? What was the big single off it? That Was it hard, Hardcore or whatever? Um, encore. Numb, numb Encore. encore yeah. yeah, that I re repeatedly listened to, but 
didn't get in in with the album. Uh. I just because uh, I, I, I was never really I I never really this is sort of sacrilegious to say but I never really got into Jay Z that much compared to mm. other hip hop artists I was into. I never really yeah. found Jay Z. To me, Jay Z's always felt like like the the mayor of hip hop. Like he's sort of like this weirdly acceptable <laughs> political face of it, where it's like I don't know. He just feels like he's constantly shaking hands with hip hop fans. Yeah, in a sort of just like yeah, yeah, kissing. He's kissing hip hop babies, as if we want to stretch the metaphor. I don't know why he's just like he probably isn't, and I'm probably completely wrong. But it's always felt too. So if I'm gonna listen to hip hop, let's listen to some fucking maniac. Jay Z's always just felt yes, like, I know what you mean. I'm rapping, I'm rapping, I'm rapping, see, I'm rapping. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably so disrespectful to to one of the greats. So I apologise, especially given that he's in that um, he's in that relationship with Beyonce. Like they're they're like this power couple. They're just like the Barack and Michelle Obama of hip hop. Yeah, mm. I do, I, I, and I know until Beyonce released Lemonade that revealed all the issues with that. I would always have just seen it as this perfect, flawless, like they're like this too clean cut. They just like they're almost like factory made hip hop artists. But I I do like yeah. their music, but I just always saw them as that in this public persona. And then she released the album, and the whole thing changed, and it was like, oh right, okay, this is actually fucked. It was weird, that wasn't it? Because like they were like uh, Brand Beckham, yes, weren't they? That's in terms what I mean. of this yeah, like yeah. idyllic couple. That and and it felt like they were they were supercharging each other. Do you know what I mean? The 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 top artists in hip hop and the top artists in R and B are a couple, and isn't it amazing? And then like you know, obviously, I, I'm not going to make any allegations against David Beckham with regards to his marriage, but um, you know that it felt it feels like they are very much uh, let's keep this together and we're a family and etc cetera, etc. Cetera, and you know that's the, the brand though, isn't it? It's yeah. Sort of- Keeping the brand together is the motivation. Exactly. But that's why it seems so mad that Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, I don't know what the road was to them making that decision, but for Jay-Z and Beyonce, or for Beyonce rather, to put out a record where (laughs) Jay-Z is made to look like such a fucking arsehole, and rightly (laughs) so, based on, you know, his behaviour. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve that. But, you know, you you would sort of expect them to just go, let's fucking hide all this. Do you know I mean, we need to, Jesus Christ, this is going to damage the brand. We need to squirrel this away somewhere and make sure nobody ever hears about this. Not make the seminal R&B record of the year about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was, Can you imagine? that was crazy. I mean, it's almost a shame now you mention that, that we never saw Victoria Beckham come back to her music career to release an album about David Beckham and Rebecca Lewis. <laughs> That's what we need. Can you imagine? That's what the Spice Girls reunion should have been. <laughs> Who is it that she did that song with? Who? Dane Bowers. Dane Bowers. Imagine Dane Bowers no, on, on a seminal R&B record of the decade, the, the British Lemonade. <laughs> Dane Bowers coming in with, yeah, David. <laughs> so uh, what sort of stuff do you, do you still listen to hip-hop now, Rose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I sort of, I'm sort of, it's very chilled. I listen to sort of like low-key I like sort of low key stuff. I really liked uh, Tierra Wax album, which is sort of like you know that Tierra Wax album. It's really short. All the tracks are really short. I think it's from 2018. It almost feels like a you know on Amazon. If you if you were to buy an album on Amazon, and why would you? But if you were, you could get a sample, a 40 second sample of every song. It that Tierra Wax album feels like the whole thing is that. Where, where you actually? Yeah. 
Life is easy, I'm somebody hard to come across. Check the pH level, and now I'm done with boss. Sip a starky right when I be still up, become a boss. Send my cousin to the store to buy some fucking off. Fuck it, love mosquitoes. Fuck it, I don't need those. Love it, on my people's. Dollar signs, yeah, I need those. But I got really into those and like like low key female sort of like hip hop singers for a while. So I, I really like that Scissor album a couple of years ago. Oh my god, mate! That was amazing. Control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to that. Jesus Christ! I listened that to that so much. Is unbelievable. Why is it so hard to accept the party is over? You came with your new friends and her mom jeans and her new friends and she's perfect and I hate it. Oh, so glad you made it. I'm so glad you could come back. Somebody get the tacos. Somebody spark the blood. Let's start the narcos off at episode one. Bring the gin, got the juice. Bring the sin, got that too. Won't you shut up? No, you're my favorite. Am I? Yeah, love that. King hell, man. Loved uh, Caliuchis' album as well. I thought that was fucking yeah. great. And then uh, I really like, oh, No Name as well, obviously, going down that route. Both No Name's yeah. last yeah. two albums have been fucking amazing. And then um, I think that, do you know Saba? Have you heard Care For Me by Saba? No. no. You know that album? That's not a female singer, Saba. It, it's so fucking, I think it's the best album of 2018. I got angels running away. I got demons hunting me. I know pop with 25. I know Jesus 33. I tell death to keep a distance. I think he obsessed with me. I say, God, that's the one. I know she would die for me. They want a barcode on my wrist. I used to be in an album club WhatsApp group where it was like each week it's someone else's turn to suggest an album that they haven't heard either. Uh, no one's heard right. and then we all just like listen to it three times in the week and then you just l- give it a little score at the end of the week or whatever and at this, this was at the sort of at the start of that and then I just went what's come out this week oh this album Saba it's being hyped up it's this rapper I've never heard of him and then I l- put that in the group and it I think it smashed it and just got like tens from everyone it's so good it reminds me of when Kendrick did Good Kid Mad City like the storytelling in that that just blew everyone's mind Saba it's like the same sort of stuff he's not as good a rapper as Kendrick obviously but like it's just so exciting as an album Care For Me and he's in a collective with No Name and like a bunch of other people now that are doing like this big there's like 10 of them and they were just before lockdown they were going to doing these massive live shows together but he's so far I would recommend that definitely and then okay. other than that it's like I really like Loyal Karna that, that album's fucking amazing love that um Flower Boy by Tyler the Creator, I think it's one of the best hip hop albums. One of my favorite ones. Who that boy? Who him is? Him that nigga? I swear, stand out guy. Him don't need no chair. Well, what a fuck him at? Cause nigga, I'm right here. I don't shop at the mall. All y'all just that motherfucker. I'm a goddamn artist. You can give me some markers and I draw you a closet. And you know that it's golf bitch gonna make the deposit. Nigga, fresh to death like he got dressed in a coffin. Cons overalls and a striped shirt. The boy drips swag. Like I liked Igor, but not nearly as much. Um, Igor's one of those ones where like. Um everybody told you that you should really love it, right? And everybody was raving about it. And then I put it on and I listened to it the first time and I thought, okay, I would say this is borderline unlistenable in my opinion. But everybody's raving about it, so (laughs) let me just give it another go. 
And, uh, and then when people go to, you know, when you sort of talk to certain people and they go, Igor is one of those albums where somebody goes, Igor's good, isn't it? And you go, yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, really good, really different. And actually, I'm thinking, I'm never going to listen to that fucking No, album it's weird. It's just, again, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, there's definitely good bits in it, but the Flower Boy to me was such a culmination of like so much of what Todd of the Creator had been representing in different albums for ages. It was like diff- all like different tracks. He'd been like doing, oh, there, there's all this really aggressive stuff here. And like I'm going really hard, and I'm, and then it's like oh, there's all this really offensive stuff here. I'm saying all this horror, this horrible images, and like the video with the cockroach, and then saying you'll find me in the attic looking at pictures of my dad's dick, and all those sorts of like very, very childish. Words. Relatable, yeah, relatable, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. uh, Tyler, some of us don't have an attic, okay? We have to look at pictures of our dad's dick in our kitchen. Um, and then there was all the stuff like the sad boy the sad boy rap that he was doing and then flower boy was just like put all of those into one record that was like oh that's tyler the creator like that's the mission statement of what he's been showing for ages Mm. and then it was like well where do you go from there and then he went and did eagle which was like oh you've just gone so experimental you've done such a mad experiment and then just put a few voicemails from a comedian in between yeah (laughs) (laughs) i would love to be a fly on the wall when, you know, when artists like that deliver that album to the label, you know, they're sort of really excited about the new project that they're coming out with. And they go, okay, let's, let's hear it. Okay. So the, the first track is just those guttural noises. Is it? Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. All right. You know, that sounds, no, 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 it's good. It's, it's, it's a different kind of direction. Just so bad. It'd be weird, wouldn't it? Cause you know, all those stories of like when you like famous people who've written scripts or whatever, and then they put a secret scene in it to see if the, if the studio really noticed. So like the, the famous one of, um, with, oh fuck, what is it? With Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote Goodwill Hunting and they put in this yeah. blowjob scene or whatever to see if, um, well, Harvey Weinstein would notice. And uh, obviously he did, because the blowjob scene. Uh, but he said, the fact that it's not really appropriate. Well, they commissioned it. Yeah, 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 he said, not really appropriate. We'll make a separate video of the blowjob scene, um, just for me. Um, but for the film, get rid of it for the film. We'll make that, we'll make that, we will make that. And can I play that? That doesn't matter. Anyway, um, but they, they did that. It does feel like, like if you were uh, like working at a label and Tyler comes in and plays you that album, are you not sort of thinking, is he, do I say, mate, this is fucking shit. Is he winding me up? Like you must, it must be so compl- especially someone like him. You know, he's a prankster. Yeah. So you're like, oh. yeah, it's exactly the sort of thing he'd do. He'd go, okay, let's see if you actually are the visionary that's on board with what I do. Like you say you are. Yeah. 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 And he just plays him 60 minutes of him going to the toilet and just, oh, you like that? I oh, think it's refreshing. Do you think it's a cool new angle? Do you? <laughs> I listened to um, Mick Jenkins off the back of this podcast, actually. Oh, my God. And I love that. I love. What did you think? I love it. Yeah, yeah, I listened. It, was like, it wasn't his latest album. It was the one before that. Right. And I thought, I just, and then I sessioned that for ages. Downtown on my hotline, it don't bleed much. Seeing songs like Tubman, Young, Stealing more Science, seen much. Just a couple motherfuckers trying to rape the culture. Tell the vultures I don't need lunch. It's like Morse cold. Got to be in touch to communicate it to the people. Love heals all. Best get your immunization. That's yes. Yeah, great. Love Mick Jenkins. Jenkins, open my ego I've been listening to lately um but nothing like I don't think I've listened to any 2020 hip-hop album mm. I can't think of one that's come out that I've been like yes finally yeah and most of the stuff recently is like probably 2018 type stuff that I've just been going back to I don't know are there any good 2020 ones that I'm missing out on based on those sorts of things I've said oh based on those sort of things you said maybe not um 
But R.A. the Rugged Man has brought out a new yeah, album. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so yeah, that would be my 2020 recommendation. If I was if I was in charge of Mick Jenkins or his management, I I definitely would have made a big effort for him to change his name. Yeah, Mick Jenkins. Because was, like a builder. He sounds like what? Sorry, like a builder or something. Yeah, Mick Jenkins. Yeah. It makes me. It's like when they do a when they do a documentary about a lower league football club and they introduce you to the groundsman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is Mick Jenkins. He keeps the pitch looking green. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. I think He's a good rapper, though. He is a fantastic rapper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, though, it's like when when I was at school because do you remember that rapper Mike Jones? Remember Mike Jones? Yes. And he would always there's that track. I think it's with the Yin Yang Twins, and they go, um, "It's Mike Jones. It's Mike Jones." Right now, my name is Reese Jones. You both know that. I had to change it for yeah. various reasons. I'm in the witness protection program, but only a bit. I just had to change it very slightly, but my dad is called my, yeah. my dad is called Mike Jones. So you can imagine the fun that was had at school when that song from the Ying Yang Twins came out, where they all chant Mike Jones. Especially as about a week before that song came out, my friends had come to my house and established that my dad answers the phone by going Mike Jones. So <laughs> the excitement on their faces when that song came out and I was next to them like, Ugh! they were just, oh, people use that all the time. And it was quite fun. He bloody loved it. He thought it was hilarious. So yeah. that was brought up a lot. Um, but Mike Jones, that's again, it's another name that I can't ever associate with a rapper because uh, it's my father. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that must be weird. Because I, I do kind of like rappers using their full names it's kind of cool like Dave East Mike Jones mm. Kendrick Lamar but just Mick Jenkins Mick it's mm. like I don't know it's, I reckon it's a step is, beyond isn't think, it is in America is Mick like it, it, I maybe you associate Mick differently to here we, Mick has such a visceral image in Britain what? of what Mick yeah. means it's like this bloke yeah this meathead <laughs> bloke Mick but I just can't. Yeah, in America, yeah. maybe Mick is cool. I don't know. It's. It, I would say it's so bad that I would. I mean, I know we mentioned him on the podcast, but I would hesitate to recommend. If, I just feel too embarrassed. Almost if somebody goes, "Oh, what you've been listening recently?" and he's got that new Mick Jenkins album, you go, "Were you fucking?" <laughs> yeah. What did he just do your bathroom and he gave you a CD on his way out? <laughs> Who's your favourite rapper? Um, James Phillips. Do you know James Phillips? <laughs> he's really good. He goes hard. <laughs> we had uh, it was one of our American guests in the podcast. She said, "Can you recommend me any British rappers?" And I said, "Oh, Dave, <laughs> Dave." <Yeah, that's... laughs> it just oh, suddenly yeah. felt so embarrassing. Yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave. Yeah, you should try. Just check out Dave. <laughs> Have you been to any uh, live hip hop? Yeah, uh, not much. I don't think it um, lends itself to the live experience as, as well as other stuff. To be honest, I'm not mm. actually a massive fan of uh, live music gigs anyway. Oh, really? Just, How come? I'm not, I'm not really into that atmosphere. And uh, I, this is this is a wrong <laughs> opinion, what I'm about to say. But for years, being a <laughs> stubborn person who takes a lyric booklet in to prove a girly fancy is wrong, I used to say sweeping statements like, live music is worse music i mean that i don't agree with that anymore but i did used to be this old prick who says that but uh i just i don't want to be in the crowd jumping around in a big group 
getting pushed about. I just like any time I go to a gig, I what if you're just sort of sat back? Yeah, I don't the... mind that. I don't, but it doesn't. It feels weird to do that, at like a hip hop thing. But like I went to see the streets right. when they did the reunion tour, and I was like, I was just stood in the back corner. I just what me and my brother were just like stood in the back corner watching it and just like watching the fucking carnage of just like all these fucking maniacs. And then he gets pretty much naked and jumps into the crowd and throws beer everywhere. And I was just like, I just can't, I just don't want to be involved. <laughs> I, I want to watch <laughs> this. I just, yeah. I'll just go and listen to the album. I really like it. Um, but I'll tell you what, my first, just to, just to hammer home the white home counties boy, image um the first time i saw a hip-hop artist live it was jay-z opening for Coldplay. wow yeah at, wow. at, at wembley or the o2 or something uh i went to see Coldplay do viva la vida That's cool for them, isn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah well he was on the album so he was there to, yeah. to do that that track and then he just went out and did like five songs before them and girls allowed went on before him so you know it was a what? pretty eclectic <laughs> yeah it's pretty eclectic lineup <laughs> yeah um fucking the backstage hell. i was just trying to imagine the backstage sort of chat at that at that gig yeah mm. it was fucking weird I, i'm just trying to think what coldplay fans i guess if you've got to see coldplay girls allowed you sort of think okay fairly sort of inoffensive jay-z i just think i i, I don't i guess it's exciting that it's a big name isn't it but apart from that i don't know what the overlap would i be. think it's, that's it's... where the the mayor of hip-hop might come into it is that it's like that that might be why i think it. it's like well you're open for Coldplay, so you're not you, you know yeah who do you think you are but um yeah i think that's why like because he's such an acceptable mainstream face i think he probably was really exciting for everyone but yeah there's probably not crossover because he was on that album as well it probably helped because Everyone knew him from whatever Viva La Vida yeah. B-side well, he inexplicably rapped on. I was a victim of the reverse favour because I went to see Jay-Z and Chris Martin was there uh, doing some of the vocals and the piano and stuff. Beach chair, he was doing that. And then they decided to take it up a notch even further than that by having Gwyneth Paltrow oh, appear on stage to do some of the vocals. And it was so mental, such a mental decision for Jay-Z to think that this would be an exciting reveal for people that have come to watch Jay-Z in concert. The idea that we would suddenly go nuts for Gwyneth Paltrow being on, like, what the fuck are you doing? That's he the, brought on Nas earlier. That's the difference, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? If, if you're at a Coldplay gig and Jay-Z appears, you're sort of like, oh, what, oh, what's going on here? If you're at a Jay-Z gig and Coldplay <laughs> appear, you're like, fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the difference in the fan bases, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> plug one, plug two. Guest plugs for you. Well, look, Reese. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're almost out of time here. What are you, um, what are you up to at the moment? Oh, you know, gam- g- gambling and being sick. <laughs> That's basically it at the minute, mate. So, is that what you want to plug? Oh, cool. sort of, um, uh, can we? I don't. If we want, if we want to watch you throwing up. Is there any way we can see that happen? Yeah, I'm on Twitch every <laughs> night at 8 p.m. Um, make sure you subscribe. No, of course not. But uh, I'll go plug this if you want. I don't normally like plugging stuff, but I do a podcast called Early Work about uh, mm. people's, like, comedians and writers and actors and stuff come on and read out the shit they wrote when they were kids or teenagers, like creative writing stuff. And there's actually quite been quite a lot of hip-hop on that podcast, if you want to call it that. So Tom Rosenthal, for example. Yeah, I heard this one. This is great. This is he, great. he came on and uh, he made a load of raps for his um, county cricket team. 
when he was about 15 wow. and he actually recorded them and then like it's because he couldn't play or something and he wanted to inspire them still so he made this rap of like <laughs> this lose yourself parody and then it, it was played before the game and i sort of clarified with him when it's county cricket doesn't that mean that it's like all different ages so it's people in that team are both 12 and 50 and he was like yeah so that means there were 50 year olds just inexplicable well, sorry why are we listening <laughs> why are we listening to this Cookham Dean Cricket Club rap but um so he did that but what was great about that episode is that Tom insisted on not listening back to it before uh he did this show so he hadn't heard it for for 20 years and then he listened and he was suddenly like being his own hype man and rapping along to the ends of these lines as he remembered the lyrics so yeah it was fucking mental I also um made a rap when I was younger that I played Tom on that episode which was a parody of Juicy by Biggie Smalls which as you can imagine is as excruciating as it sounds and also um, Doc Brown came on read out a load of old lyrics of stuff that uh, he'd written that were fucking mental insane it was all about the A-team everything he wrote was about the A-team it just shows shows his generation I suppose just um, just this morning my cousin from Australia who'd come over to the UK just as I started doing stand-up so 2010 right and uh maybe end of 2009 and he videoed one of my sets in its entirety at this like gig that was attended by about four people in brighton and he sent it to me just literally just this morning and it is I mean, it's one of the most unbearable. <laughs> Is it to be on his podcast? No, 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 no. I wasn't saying it for that, but I was just sort of saying that that sort of thing where like, because I remembered so little of the stuff. I, I didn't remember any of the stuff I was doing at that time. And so I kind of looked at it and I was like, I, can't, I fucking hell, yeah, I did that. I did a joke about spinning a cat on the end of my cock. It was <laughs> absolutely yeah. insane. I, I mean, I need to see the set now. You're going to have to come on. I mean, to be honest, I don't actually, on, on the podcast, I don't really like except early shit stand-up because obviously everyone's early No, I think I, I didn't... You used, But you used to write raps, right? Or was it just freestyle stuff? Uh, no, I have... Did you write anything down? I, I have got I have got raps that I've, I've written down, yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got like a mixtape of something we put out in Horsham uh, a few years Mate, ago. Mate, this is that... it. This is perfect. What the perfect, perfect blend of the two podcasts. That's what we need. Oh, yeah, synergy. This is what they're all talking about, right? Exactly. Synergy. That's great. <laughs> Reese, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, man. If you haven't checked out Reese's stuff, he's not only uh, very funny when he's gigging, which he hates, but he's also very funny on Twitter and his podcast is great, so make sure you check it out. And also, you're on like Mock the Week every week, right, it feels like. You're on it a lot, aren't you? Yeah, sort when of. They're making uh, every, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 film, right. the filming dates we were supposed to do in the summer are, has, have just been moved, so who knows. But when it's on, okay. yeah, I'm on that a fair bit, you know. It's good to have some new news to talk about, I suppose. We were talking about fucking Brexit for years. <laughs> uh, Reese, thank you so much for joining us, Barry. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.